0: What's up, everybody? I am Brett Alpe. That's Coach Bruce, and this is The Coach Approach. Coach, how are you, brother?
1: I'm good, man. Sorry, I was dancing the intro music, bro. It's always good when you hear that, that thing going. That means it's yeah, time to talk of some football. That's right, man. What's going on with you, man? What's new it's and exciting? Same old, same was old. Just
0: kind of getting through the week. You know, I've got three more weeks after this one, and then i got three weeks off. So uh trying to fight through the little fall blues. Um, other than that, everything's going great. Looking forward to uh, talking a little fantasy and real football tonight. Uh, everyone who's tuning in, thank you so much for coming in. Feel free to start your, your start. Sit questions, post your trade questions, anything you guys want to talk about, we're here for you. I'm looking forward to the show. Uh, but let's get right into it, Coach. Um, you know, Carolina fired Frank Reich. He's 1-10. Uh, in 10, uh, Kind of struggled, obviously. And the thing that they've struggled the most with is the development of Bryce Young. You know, you look at his stats, they're not awful. You look at his supporting cast, it, it is awful. But the big thing Bryce Young's got going against them right now is the fact that the number two pick, C.J. Stroud, has looked so good. He's uh, the walk-away Rookie of the year. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, I said Puka, you said CJ. Now there's no doubt it's CJ. And I think that comparison for uh, you know, a meddling owner and, and that not having the same type of results um has made it to where Bryce Young is obviously being picked apart pretty heavily. And I think Frank Reich being fired had a lot to do with it, but what an ugly mess. What a not, not a real good time to be a fan of the Carolina Panthers.
1: No, it's it's not. And you've traded away your draft capital, which makes it even worse. So instead of being a, a one in 10 team tanking for Caleb or whatever you want to call it, you don't even have the you can't even do that. So, you know, it's interesting. There's a couple of things. Rumors, you know, swirled around about, you know, the leadership of that organization coming to Frank Wright and asking him to put in more quarterback friendly concepts and to make throws easier for Bryce Young and adding RPO concepts and, you know, as a high school football coach and offensive coordinator, I understand what the, what the question is. And the response supposedly was Frank Reich saying, Hey, it doesn't really fit into the concepts on what I'm doing. And, you know, if if that actually happened, I have a little bit of concern there because as a guy that's, that's had a lot of success with some quarterbacks in the NFL level. um, It's real simple to throw RPOs into your concept. So it's interesting to see if that's, you know, if there's any truth to that, I, I think if Frank Reich does come out and say anything and, You know, is he going to get he's probably going to toe the line and do coach speak and just say, hey, you know, it was a decision that unfortunately I'm not happy with. And, you know, you move on. I don't think I don't know how deep into that he'll get. But the other part of that is we talk about CJ Shroud and you talk about what if that was switched? What if you took CJ Shroud and put him in Carolina and he's throwing to Adam Thielen and Jonathan Mingo and Hayden Hurst versus you know, now all of a sudden he'd be throwing to Tank, Dell, Dalton, Schultz, and Nico Collins in Houston with Slovic, who's done a great job as an offensive coordinator in that program. So yeah. I think putting a little bit too much pressure on Bryce Young right now. I think there's a little too many people that are just getting, um, you know, some take lock right now. And I think you need to be patient with him. The organization's not in a great position. He doesn't have a lot of talent around him to, to get the ball to. Miles Sanders has him who we thought he was going to be. So I think you you got to wait it out with Bryce Young, and I think he's going to be fine. But uh, man, yeah, to your point, see here that CJ Stroud is having. Yeah, he's definitely locked up. Rook of the year. I think even if he got hurt and missed the rest of the year, he'd still, he'd still get it. I don't know how you couldn't give it to him at this point. Coach,
0: don't even mention such a thing. I know. I'm
1: just saying. That's well, don't how much of a lock I think he is.
0: Gee, I need a drink just thinking about it.
1: <laughs> right? All right? I'll join you. Here we go.
0: All right. So, uh, yeah, Carolina, awful situation. Now we talk about possible coaches going there. Uh, if you look, if you're a coach and you're looking at that situation, you see a guy who is, uh, you know, fired a coach midway through uh, two seasons in a row. You see a guy who doesn't really seem to know what he's doing as far as it relates to the game of football, uh, and he's running the show there. That would leave me with some concerns. You also see the fact that the roster. You know, I was listening to. Um, you know, we both listen to podcasts all week, and I was listening to the athletic earlier this week, and they're talking about general managers just, you know, discreetly or amongst themselves saying that's by far the worst roster in the NFL. So, yeah. why would I want to go if I'm a Ben Johnson or if I'm, you know, whoever? <laughs> maybe, yeah, why would I want to leave and go to that place? Because if you also saw a uh, tweet today regarding or yesterday regarding the number of coaches that are expected to be fired. They're talking seven to ten jobs that could possibly open up. I don't think it's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see who they get there in Carolina because I don't think I would go.
1: I think you've got to get an offensive guy. And I think, you know, Cal Moore is going to have his name thrown out. But, you know, obviously I don't think Brandon Staley makes it for the year. And if he does, I think this is his last year with the Chargers. And then you've got a guy like Eric bien that – has been very open about wanting to be a head coach. I don't know if he's the right fit, but I, I'd want a guy that's an offensive-minded guy, but also has developed quarterbacks at a high level and been very hands-on with quarterbacks. That's why I take Eric Bieniemy kind of out of that equation as a former running back. I think Andy Reid was a lot more a part of Patrick Mahomes being who he is than Eric Bieniemy was. So that's not a guy that I think would be a great fit just from that perspective. But a guy like Bobby Slobick, Ben Johnson, who you mentioned, I think are two candidates that are certainly at the top of the list for me.
0: Yeah, I just find it hard to believe that any of them would want to go because uh, you brought up Brandon Staley. Where would you rather go? Would you rather go to Carolina or would you rather go to Los Angeles and coach Justin Herbert?
1: Well, Los Angeles may make that decision because they promote Kellen Moore, and give him an opportunity that takes one coaching candidate off the the carousel. Right. So that that's the thing. You're banking on a guy that's either young and up and coming. If you go that route or a guy that doesn't have a head coaching experience like the guys we're talking about. I think it's, it becomes tough. Like I, I guarantee you right now, if you ask Eric bien he would jump at it because he's dying for an opportunity. Um, we don't know that Ben Johnson and Bobby Slovak aren't kind of in that same category, but it's gonna. I, I agree. If it's me and I, I've got a really good resume and I've been around for a while and I've had a good track record, that's probably not where I'm going to go. So you're probably going to have to go with somebody who's young and up and coming that, that is just looking for his first chance to, you know, to get a head coaching job. But sometimes be careful what you ask for because – there's coaches that yeah, no. put into bad situations for the first first start and they haven't recovered from it. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be interesting.
0: All right, let's get into our first question before we move on to the injuries of the week, and that's John. What's wrong with Mixon? Can I trust him here in the last six weeks without Burrows? Uh, without Burrows, uh, the question there, you know, it's funny because when we do our risers and fallers, I have Joe Mixon as a faller. So we're obviously going to get into that later. But my concern. Um, is twofold. And I do think uh, without Burrow, you're not having the uh, same success with the passing game. If I'm a defensive coordinator right now, I have no issues with loading up the box and taking Joe Mixon away. And now I'm just going to make a guy who, uh, you know, yes, he had a lot of experience at the University of Washington. But I mean, this is not a guy who's enough already to play, in my opinion. So I would put everything on his shoulders. And now what you got is you got Mixon not seeing any type of lane. So I am concerned about Mixon over the last six weeks. I'm concerned that that he's getting a little bit older. Uh, but mostly, yes, it's a problem with the offense more so than when Mixon, for me.
1: Now you're on the head, and that's just it. You're going to have box up, and you're going to make Jake Browning has very little. He's got one start to to his NFL career. Before that, he had a hard time sticking with franchises. So had a lot of success in college, to your point. But, you know, it, it's it's very simple formula. If you're playing against Cincinnati, who's been struggling all season, as obviously Joe Burrow had the cap strain earlier in the year, and now he's he's out. But it, it's that's what you're going to do. You're going to force Jake Brown to beat you, and you're so Mixon. If he's going to be relevant at all, it's going to be in the passing game in PPR formats. I don't expect a lot out of him in the run game because I just don't see you're going you're going to see the run lanes available I, there.
0: I, I look, they they did him. I don't know if they did him a favor, but I don't see him coming back next year because they're not going to. I should say he did them a favor. By taking a pay cut just to come back this year. Um, with that being said, I would not be surprised if you uh, do not see them in the uh, their backfield next year. And so I would, you know, I went out of my way. I don't know if you've got a shallow kind of roster. You, you know, I, you and I are in all these sleeper dynasty super flex yeah. leagues with thirty to forty man rosters. You know, in typical home leagues, or at least in my home league, I've got a twenty-two man roster. I I don't have the ability to you know have a bunch of guys and hope that they hit later on. So what I'm getting at is I picked up Chase Brown a week ago. Um knowing where they're at with their offense and knowing that Mixon probably isn't going to uh be back next year because I think they're going to give him a little play over the next few weeks and we might find out that you know he could be someone they they can lean on next year. So I I think Chase Brown's worth picking up right now.
1: Yeah, I've got I've got concerns with Mixon's rest of the season as well for all the points we've just made. I mean, I, I don't see it as a a great situation for him at all. I mean, he's going to get volume, uh, but again, they lose a few more games. You're you're going to want to see what you got in Chase Brown, especially for moving on from Joe Mixon, which I think right now you're in a, a market in the NFL The quarter running backs are just not compensated. So I agree with you.
0: And they have some, you know, they just paid a quarterback a lot of money, so sure did. I, and they got to think about whether or not they're going to bring T Higgins back. I was just going to say uh, that. So Joe, Joe Mixon, um, if they were winning, I would love to have him right now because then I think he could be a guy that they're going to want to force feed knowing that they're not going to have to worry about him giving them more carries in the future. But with their situation, no, I don't like his situation at all. And I, I mean, if you have other options, uh, I would certainly look that other way. But it's definitely something to monitor. Uh, another thing to monitor, let's move on in our injury report. Chris Olave. Concussion protocol, um, you know, limited practice today. And typically, if you look at the uh, practice reports every day and you see limited, limited on a Wednesday is not necessarily a bad thing, especially if you're in concussion protocol. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays this week, but it's also something that you got to continue to monitor. So uh, pay attention to either practice reports or early Sunday morning. Make sure you're uh, looking at those lists of inactives. Uh, Coach, if Chris Alavi is not there, we're going to get to another receiver, Rashid Shahid, thigh injury. He's not going to play this week. Did not practice today. Don't expect him to play. Um, two receivers out in that offense. Uh, who can Derek Carr throw to this week?
1: Well, and you've also got now Michael Thomas on IR. So you're really you're down your top yeah. three receivers. But so Alvin Kamara is only running back that's got 14 targets in two different games. And so I think you're going to lean heavily on him in the passing game. You've got Taysom Hill and hey, Jawan Johnson's back. If you're asking me, I think Jawan Johnson could have a big game this week. Uh, and outside of that, you've got A.T. Perry, the rookie who's flashed, but then you've got Keith Kirkwood, Lynn Bowden Jr., right? So to me, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of Alvin Kamara. It's going to be Jawan Johnson. It's going to be Taysom Hill. They're going to put more packages in. I think even more so with Taysom Hill, it's so limited to what they've got in the wide receiver room that they're going to lean on 12 personnel um, if you want to call it that, but Taysom Hill can line up a quarterback and uh, you can get creative, you know, from an offensive perspective there. But A.T. Perry and deeper leagues, if you've got deeper leagues, you got, you know, six teams on by this week. And so, I mean, he may be a guy you could flash. Or I like A.T. Perry even in DFS format. And you're going to get a lot of, of value for him, and I think you're going to get value for Jawan Johnson. Those guys that could pop, that cost you very little money.
0: I like it. As we were just talking about uh, Jawan Johnson earlier in the night regarding my home league. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. That's Demario Douglas upper body injury check practice reports uh did not practice day i don't think he's going to play i think people who've had to play demario douglas in fantasy are obviously having to use him because of injuries or buys um he's never more than a flex play at this point especially in a terrible offense but without demario is there anyone that you i mean who who are they going to turn to on that offense
1: Well, it's Ramondre Stevenson, right? I mean, the other guys, you've got Hunter Henry and you've got Mike Jasicki, but I think the issue there is DeMario Douglas, six or more targets in the last five games. He's got 38 targets, 26 grabs, 267 yards. He hasn't scored on the season. This is a sixth round pick. This is pick 210 in the draft. And for comparison, you've got Jackson Smith and Jibba over in Seattle, where last five games, he's only got 25 targets, 18 grabs, 233 yards, and a touchdown and he was a 20th pick overall in round one and playing an offense last year with Geno Smith, when he had his breakout year at the age that he was at, was an offense you were excited about. Demario Douglas is out playing JSN. JSN is playing a lot more snaps for the course of the season. But I'm excited for Demario Douglas. I think he's got an opportunity to be really, really good. Hopefully he gets an opportunity to – you know, to, to see a lot more of him. I think he's the guy, because otherwise you left Devontae Parker, Gigi Smith-Schuster, Tyquan Thornton, Keyshawn Butte. We know how bad that drive profile was and what he did last year at LSU. But it, it's it's bare. And then you've got the quarterback issues with Bailey Zachary coming in to really – t- First,
0: first yeah. let me just stop you and say, why are we bringing in JSN? JSN was not a part of this, this talk. You're comparing – you're not. You're comparing. You're not. It's not apples. It's to comparing
1: apples. how good Demario Douglas has been over the last five games compared to a guy that was a 20th overall pick in Seattle. He's outplaying that guy, so it hurts if you are a guy that's Demario Douglas' owner. Like I picked him up in a couple leagues on the waiver. Sure. Letter. No, I, I get that. Yeah, and and, I, and I. I mean,
0: I, I love what we've seen from him, and you know he has flashed all year long. Maybe not in the stat book, but if you read the reports in training camp, he was someone that they were talking about from day one. So he's obviously someone who's been you know, on the radar, and, and I love him. But I, I think JSN, the issues I have with him is that you talked about it, the breakout year of his quarterback last year. His quarterback is playing nowhere oh, near yeah. at that level this year. But, yeah, tomorrow, my biggest point is, though, that if you're playing Demario Douglas, yeah, if I had him in Dynasty, I'd be excited about the prospects coming down in the future. But that offense is so bad, it's hard to really – play anyone in there unless it's Raimondi Stevenson.
1: Yeah, he's the, he's the only guy I got any confidence playing. That's a volume play. So and he, he's a guy that can help you out in the passing, especially in half-point half PPR and full-point PPR formats.
0: All right, hey, let's move on to our next one, and this one hurts me and hurts a lot of people because talk about a guy who's gone from, you know, really climbing the dynasty ranks and climbing the positional dynasty <laughs> ranks, and that's Trey McBride. I think Trey McBride probably going into the year was probably maybe top 20, that 18 to 20 range as far as dynasty tight end rankings. Came out of Colorado State two years ago. Uh kind of you had Zach Ertz with the offense um, last year pretty much, and he didn't really get to flash much. But this year, Trey Trey McBride has just really lit it up over the last five to six weeks. And unfortunately, uh, he's stayed a groin injury over the last groin issue over the last two days uh, did not practice today monitor until Sunday as far as look at those practice reports and then most importantly check the inactives as soon as you can on Sunday to see if you have a pivot off him but losing Trey McBride in the playoff push that hurts a lot of people right now
1: No he scored double digits in three of the last five games gets a good matchup this week against Pittsburgh and if you look at you know, even his last two games with Kyler Murray, he's got 16 targets, 12 grabs, um, and 103 yards. Game before that, he was nine targets, eight grabs, 131 yards. So this is a guy that was really on the up and up. Zachary obviously goes out. He's still out. So now you're looking at, for the Cardinals, Jeff Swaim or Elijah Higgins. So it's, it's not good. So if you've got Marquise Brown... Looked in to get a lot of targets this week. They're going to find ways to manufacture touches there. If Michael Wilson, I know he's been a little bit banged up. If he can get some opportunity there, and you're going to have to continue to rely on guys like Greg Dortch and and the, the little guys there. They've got playing in the slot, but it's it, it's tough, man. I I had just traded and just got lucky. I traded Trey McBride. I had Sam Laporte in on one quarterback league, who's obviously passes by week. I don't. There's no reason to hold on to two tight ends in a one tight end league. It's not uh, tight end premium. So I was able to flip Trey McBride for a receiver for. Um, Jordan Addison, the guy who had too many wide receivers, and so he flipped there them you over up. me. There you go. So I like that. I'll take that all day long.
0: I don't mind having multiple tight ends because I, I still think a guy like Dalton Kincaid. Just as long as we're talking about one tight end leagues, I have a one tight end league in my home league, and I have Dalton Kincaid and Trey McBride and Luke Musgrave. Um, I kind of, until I know I have like a Travis Kelsey, I'd rather hold on to two young studs like a McBride. And a Kincaid, and find out, and really find out if I've got someone who's going to develop and be Kelsey week in and week out. So I totally, I, I when you said you traded McBride, even in a one tied in league, I was like, oh, I hope you got something good. I like well, it's nice. redraft, yeah, I, Dynasty. Oh, it's redraft. Yeah, that changes redrafted. everything. All yeah. right, let's move on. Then I apologize for taking too much time and trade McBride. Love the guy. Hope yep. uh, hope he can get back by this week though. Um, not an injury report, but, you know, we led off last week with another firing story, and that was with Matthew Canada in uh, Pittsburgh. Um, they come back the following week. Of course, they get a win because somehow, someway, they always seem to win. Um, but their offense finally outrushed, not outrushed, but outgained the other offense for the first time this year. Uh, more than 400 yards. You saw Pat Fryermuth. I'm going to talk about him later, but. Him in the middle of the field kind of really opened things up. Uh, that offense looked a heck of a lot better. Is it something that you think can go on and continue the rest of the year?
1: It is something I think you can continue. Now you've got to get improved play by Kenny Pickett, which you had last week. But Pat Firemouth as a tight end, what he brings that offense to your point and what he can create in the middle of the field. Um, is a bit and especially in the red zone is a big part of that and then you've got george pickens on the outside so you've got your vertical stretch guy you've got your seam guy at the tight end position and i'll just give you some looks underneath coverage you know and then you've got deontay johnson who is a move the chains type of guy so all of a sudden then you got Najee harris the there's a lot of things you can do so it's almost like with matt cannon it's like how are you not scoring more points how are you not getting the, the ball in the hands of your playmakers how are you not creating um, free releases for the guys you've got at the wide receiver position, and you know all. And there's so many examples of guys that are so good in that, in terms of putting offenses together. That why he's not copycatting some of those concepts doesn't make any sense. But it's been a rough run with Matt Canada. So I think as a Steelers fan, especially, you're very happy to move on. I think it can continue because you've got everybody healthy, and you've got an opportunity there with five guys on the offensive side of the ball. You can feel comfortable throwing the ball to. So it's you know, and their defense is playing well. So there's an opportunity there for Pittsburgh. Well, their defense is always continue playing. to play well, 100. Yeah, they're,
0: all, I mean, they're they're that they're, they're AFC North team, true and true. Meaning yep. they want to run right at you and they want to play good defense. They've been out been able to run right at you for much of the season. They played great defense. The issues have been with their passing game. They've corrected one of it by moving on from Matt Canada. You saw improvement and Friermuth really. You know, I've already mentioned one of my followers. Now, here's one of my uh, risers, and that's Firemouth. Um, but it all comes down to kidding Pickett, and we mentioned that last week. Now we get to really find out, can they depend on him to get the ball out to their playmakers? And, you know, it'll be interesting to see that whole dynamics over the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. It's going to be interesting offense to watch. But, yeah, I think they can continue to, to move the ball certainly better than they did under Matt Canada.
0: All right. Hey, let's move into our Week 12 recap. Um, I think probably nine out of the first 11 weeks, I picked the Green Bay Packers to win. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you did, man. You were on and the Packers train for sure.
0: One of the few times I haven't picked the Packers to win, they come out and they put on a really nice performance against the Detroit Lions in front of a bunch of eyes on national TV Thanksgiving morning, uh, and they come out and get a nice 29-22 win. Jordan Love, 22 out of 32, 268 yards, three touchdowns. I don't know if you saw the tweet that's been kind of floating around, but, you know, comparing his numbers. Exact same as Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers' numbers, the record of the team, the numbers are almost identical, 19 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Um, you know, I got a little impatient with him because he did have a tough stretch in the middle of the year. But that young offense is finally, hopefully this is the start of something, but a great win for uh, Green Bay, who are now are five and six and a tough loss for a team that, you know, obviously thinks that they can compete in the NFC and, and have a possible run at a Super Bowl.
1: No, and if you if you go to the other side of the ball, the Detroit Lions, and they come in at eight and two, they're playing a home game against the Packers team. And if you told me before, after the game and you said, Hey, Jared Goff threw for 332 yards, two touchdowns. Montgomery was 15 of 71 with a touchdown. A monitor was nine for 95. You're thinking lions won this game. And the reality is they didn't, they had almost a hundred yards more in total yards. They had more passing yards. They had more rushing yards. They had, but they only averaged five, 5.9 yards per play. Green Bay was able to find some explosive plays. And you know, that was the difference. So it, it's, that's the NFL, man. That's the thing. Is no matter how good a team is playing on any given Sunday, you just don't know. They didn't have Aaron Jones, right? So it, this is what we have seen with Jordan Love. You kind of got to ride that roller coaster a little bit. But man, when he when he's when he's playing, he looks well, and he's using his legs. You know, that's a big part I think of success. That of was. You know, he hasn't
0: always, but yeah, because I've watched every minute of football of Green Bay this year. Um, the biggest thing is that he's able to get the ball out to Christian Watson last week. That has been an aspect of their offense that they've really kind of missed. And obviously you've read and you've seen all the reports about how Watson has struggled with injuries and just struggled kind of just making his presence felt. That wasn't the case. Detroit, right off the bat, they did that deep post to him. Uh-huh. Um, you know, It was a little bit of an underthrow uh, by Jordan. Um, Christian Watson's able to kind of wait and then out jump the three defenders that are around him. So that's a big part of the offense, So they can get that part. And you've got Jaden Reed. Unfortunately, Luke Mus- Musgraves out for the rest of the year. But that's a big win for Green Bay. And if you look at the playoff chances they got, they're not that far off from making it right now. And it's going to be interesting to see how the next few weeks go for Jordan Love and Green Bay.
1: Yeah, I'm excited to see it. And I'm excited to see, even more importantly, how Detroit rebounds from this loss and, and what that looks like. And I think Dan Campbell's going to have those guys ready to play this week.
0: All right, I agree. Detroit is still a good team to me, but as a fan of Green Bay, that was fun to watch. Uh, Let's go to a couple more questions. We got Gerald. Hey guys, please choose one quarterback Kyler, Minshew, or Russell. It's Kyler for me. I wish he had, I sure hope he has Trey McBride this weekend, but I still like Kyler over the other two. Coach,
1: as good as Russell Wilson has been playing and what Minshew can do in terms of ceiling. I still think there's that's not a great floor from inchieves. He can also give you three picks in a given week. So I'm still gonna ride Kyler Murray. Uh he gives you the rushing yards, and I think they're gonna they're gonna have to throw the football and you're gonna see more negative game scripts. So I like Kyler Murray.
0: All right, we got one more question here, or actually two more. Uh this one is from Gerald. He wants to know Jalen Warren or Najee Harris. This might surprise people, but I have Jalen Warren as my uh 20th running back and Najee Harris is 23. What about you, coach?
1: I've got Warren over Najee as well. I think we're starting to see the impact that he can make. And Najee Harris had some splash games. But I think overall, it depends on script, right? If Pittsburgh can get ahead early and they're at the ability to run the football late in the game, I think that favors Najee. If it's a game that's close, which they've been in all year long, I think that game script favors uh, Jalen Warren. I'll take the explosiveness of Jalen Warren over the prodding of Najee Harris so especially and in, in, in it's half PPR so if it was standard I'd, probably, I'd lean Najee but because it's half PPR I'll take the extra half point on the receptions
0: there we go I like it uh, let's go to one more question John wants to know Josh Allen's on by I need a quarterback should I go with Carr or should I go with Baker coach I'm going with Baker against Carolina Derek Carr's playing Detroit uh you know you can say whatever you want about Baker Mayfield but he hasn't played awful this year. He's actually someone they should feel pretty excited in Tampa Bay that where they were able to come in and kind of plug in while they figure out what they're going to do after losing Tom Brady last year.
1: Was was it Carr Baker Mayfield?
0: It was Carr and Baker Mayfield.
1: Yeah, so I'm going to go Baker Mayfield. Give me the offense that has Chris Godwin and has uh, Mike Evans and, and against the Carolina team. And then Derek Carr. We just talked about this earlier. Um, who's he throwing the ball to? Right. You've got Kamara. Mm-hmm. You got Taysom Hill. We hope Jawan Johnson after that. Rashichi, he's likely out. Um, uh, Chris Olave is out probably with a concussion. Michael Thomas is already on IR. So it's a lot of dink and dunk. I don't think you're going to show a lot of vertical. Even against Detroit, who gives up a lot in the past game, I would still lean Baker Mayfield against Carolina.
0: All right, let's get to one more question because your guys' questions are always more important than whatever we got to talk about. So, Dan, hey, brother, how are you? Hope all is well in beautiful Ohio. He's got a question and he's redraft. This is thoughts on Cooper cup. He's killing me any upside and keeping him over the next few weeks. I need total roster points. Uh, first thing I would say is who can you pick up in his place? Uh, second thing I would say is, can you get away with not starting him and, and kind of wait and see the issue for me right now is Kyron Williams is back. And you look at what Sean McVay wants to do in that offense. And that's apparent with him he wants to force feed Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams came back, and it wasn't like he was even gone. A lot of people are like, damn, they did Daryl Henderson wrong. Daryl Henderson came in off the streets, played very well in Kyron Williams' absence, and then as soon as Kyron Williams is back, they cut good old Daryl Henderson. So, um, you know, what do you think, Coach? You think they're because the, I've got Puka. So there's another guy who's struggled over the last few weeks. So going forward, what does that Ram offense look like? And should he pivot off of Cooper Cup?
1: Yeah, it's a tough. I've got Cooper Cup. I actually traded away Puka Pukunakua and Mark Andrews to get Cooper Cup um, in that same league we're talking about before. And I'm I'm 10 and 2 in that league and in first place. but. It, I was buying the upside of Cooper Cup, who was still injured at the time and getting him before he came back. And, of course, right away he had a couple big splash games. I'm like, this is exactly you know, why you go out and get a guy like Cooper Cup. But I'm still in that holding pattern. Now, if you can find a Rams fan in your league or somebody that's desperate for wide receiver and you can try to trade him and ups- and find a guy you can put in your lineup every week with confidence, I think that's that's an option. But if I don't really have that choice, there's not really anybody else on the waiver wire I can go out and get. I get it. I'm still going to trust Sean McVay. I'm still going to trust Cooper cup. I think the more weeks he goes coming back from that nagging injury, I think he'll start to pick up Cooper cups, not going to play like this for the rest of the season. There's going to be some splash games and I think you're going to see Stafford lean on him a little bit more, but you're right. Having Kyron Williams back and going over 200 yards in his first game back. And if you look at how he was playing before the injury, he was the same guy then too. And you're right. They're definitely running that offense through Kyron Williams. And for Darrell Henderson, hey, the guy wasn't on a team before. I'm sure he's okay taking a couple NFL game checks versus sitting at home. But they did him dirty. There's no doubt they did him dirty, man. Well, I mean, how you look at it. it's just further illustrates.
0: It's up. not it's a game. It. Not it, for it's long, It's not right? a game. It's a business. Yep. Um, all right, hey, let's move on to a big game that came. And this is going to be fun over the next few years. And that's the AFC South with teams like Jacksonville and the Houston Texans and their resurgence this year. Jacksonville 8-3. Uh, Wins 24 to 21. Uh, Missed 58 yard field goal. Uh, We'll talk about missing. Uh, It hit the uh, middle post, bounced forward, no good. Jacksonville wins. But great game. And and I'm really, I I, I can't tell you, you talk about rivalries over the next few years. You got CJ Stroud and you've got Trevor Lawrence. Um, That's going to be a fun rivalry over the next few years. And hey, both teams went on the road. And beat the opponent this year. So great game was certainly a lot of fun to watch.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a fun rivalry. I'll tell you what's nice is Trevor Lawrence also gets six carries, forty-seven yards, and a touchdown on the ground, and goes two touchdowns in the air. But Trevor Lawrence was a guy we had as our faller. He was a guy I was really, really high on coming this season with Calvin really coming back and Christian Kirk coming the year he had last year, and and Zay Jones bringing Travis Etienne fully healthy. And I really felt like Trevor Lawrence is going to have a monster year this year, and we haven't seen that, but over the last couple of weeks. 23 of 38, 364 yards, a touchdown. He's using his legs a little bit more. Ridley comes 589, a touchdown. So I think you're going to start to see Jacksonville play better throughout the rest of the season. But God dang, man, and and I know we're big CJ shroud guys, but every single week you think, okay, it's going to be like, hey, the rookie's going to hit a wall. He's just not. He plays well every single week. And even when he seems like they're out, he still finds a way to keep them relevant uh, against a team that coming into the season, Jacksonville, a lot of people are really, really high on. So. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch those guys play against each other. You know, for the rest
0: it of the is. It's already a lot of fun because, like yeah. you said, I mean, you got a you got a 50 field goal that barely doesn't go in to decide the game. I mean, I was hoping for uh, obviously overtime just to keep it going, but great game, great rivalry. Looking forward to watching over the next few years. All right, let's move on to our next game: Denver 29, Cleveland 12. Five wins in a row now for Denver. Five, um, and in that stretch, they've beaten. Cleveland, which is one of the top defenses, if not the top defense, a team that just came off a win over Baltimore, uh, a win over Buffalo, and a win over Kansas City. So Denver, man, whatever uh, Sean Payton is uh, doing, it's finally working because it didn't look like it was going to go down that road.
1: Well, here's what I'll tell you. First of all, you're starting DTR. He gets hurt, right? They got to go to P.J. Walker. But when David Njoku is leading you in receptions and yards – um, and look, the, the guy's a specimen. You see him on the football field, right? He's an absolute beast. Looks like he should be in a pro bodybuilding show when he retires. But when, when your two leading receivers in terms of uh, receptions and yardage are David Njoku and Cedric Tillman, who combined for 10 grabs for 114 yards, and Mark Cooper gets two for 16, right? You struggle to run the ball like you're, you're accustomed to. Uh, it's not surprising that uh, Denver pulls this game out. But it, it, it took Sean Payton about half the season, to figure out a little bit less than half the season to figure out what the identity of this team is going to be moving forward. You get Devontae Williams back, Russell Wilson now looks like he did, not necessarily in his prime in Seattle, but a guy that's a very, very serviceable quarterback and what we thought we were going to get when he we first went to, to Denver, man, they're on the rise, man. That's a team that's going to be very, very tough out the rest of the season, the way they're playing on both sides of the ball. After giving up 70 to Miami, right? We keep referring right. to that, but yeah yeah this team was, did not uh, go in the tank like some teams would have after that game. they they've They've learned from it and they've they've played really really, really well lately.
0: Uh, when you looked at, I don't know if you saw the clip where they showed uh, Sean Payton, uh, you know, maybe one and five at the point, and he's sitting there in front of everybody who goes, you know, I, I look back at what Detroit did last year. They were one and six. They go on this incredible run because they started believing in each other. And that's he talked about how we just need to focus on the next play. And believe on what we're doing. And, and they've done exactly exactly that. So it's been good to see because I know a lot of people are already thinking, holy shit, is Sean Payton way over his head? Is this mess a lot bigger than a lot of people thought? And fortunately, it's not for the city and uh, organization of Denver. All right, let's move on to our last game: Philadelphia 37, Buffalo 34. Man, I don't know if you want to call them the Cardiac Kids. I I don't know what you're gonna call them, but you better call them 10 and 1. And uh, for me, his stats haven't been great, but what Jalen Hurts is doing, I know you picked him as his MVP both at the middle point at the start of the year. That touchdown and overtime and just him kind of finding a way after he played poorly in the first half, he's definitely the MVP for me and uh good win by Philadelphia. But how many times they continue, can they continue to win like this going down the road?
1: Well, and we talked about this before we got on the show, but, you know, they're the Minnesota Vikings from last year, right? Obviously a lot more talented roster and a team that preseason we expect went to Super Bowl last year, lost to Kansas City, and I had them as the Super Bowl winners this year, just like I did last year. So, and as a Cowboys fan, it hurts to say that. But what Jalen Hurts, I mean, his first half, he was, I think, about 50% completion percentage, if if that. And then he was only like 50 yards passing. had a, He had to touch the interception. He had a fumble. It wasn't looking good, but... In typical Jalen Hurts fashion, he he got hot in the second half. That offense started clicking. He throws three touchdowns, including the game winner. And, you know, Devontae Smith goes seven for 106. And they're doing this without Dallas Goddard. Um, that offensive line is top three offensive line in the NFL. And Jason Kelsey is, I don't care what anybody says, that was the best center in the league. And I don't think it's close. And, and I love well, Creed Humphrey he, and what he's doing in Kansas he City. Heard him, he heard him, though.
0: He hurt him on a couple, uh, you know, flinches. The, a couple of those oh, yeah. penalties, you are sitting there going, oh, my gosh, is this going to really affect the outcome? Fortunately, it didn't. But, yeah, those two penalties. You watch his kick game. out
1: on the power re- power oh, game yeah. There, no, his dude, kick out on that? Is there oh. a better
0: pulling center ever? Because No. he gets out there. Yeah, he, he is fun to watch.
1: But I'll say this. Philadelphia better figure out how to stop offenses from scoring because that's not going to translate. If you're trying to beat San Francisco in, in the NFC Championship game or Dallas in the playoffs – a team that can put up a lot of points, and if you sputter it all on offense, it's going to be tough to stay in games like that. It just, and their only loss, what's crazy, their only loss is a freaking Zach Wilson and the Jets, bro. <laughs> like, what are we doing? And he was right. terrible in that game. Three picks in that game. So when you look well, at the hurts, that, that, that defense, defense is
0: no joke.
1: Yeah, it hasn't it's looked.
0: Not. You know, I hate to divert, but New York's Jets defense hasn't looked as good as of recently, and I, and I think that has a lot to do with their, like. It's hard to play your ass off play after play and see what you see over and over again with their offense. But I digress. Let's move back to the Eagles.
1: Yeah, they're, that's a it's a quality squad, man. I mean, it, I hate to say it. The tush push da, 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 and the one-yard touchdown runs for Hurts and you know, stat padding, what everybody wants to try to do to, to, to take away from what the Eagles are doing. Um, but Talk about the calls. They didn't call the horse collar. They didn't call – look, okay, I mean – you play the game, right? Players aren't yeah. dictating that. And, and I hate when teams use refs as an excuse. And so even as a Cowboys fan, I'm not going to say that the Eagles are winning games because of the refs. I'm not going to say they're winning games despite Jalen Hurts having some struggles in a couple games. Guy's had a phenomenal season. He's the front runner for the MVP, and he should be. They're 10-1. and one. The guy puts on an absolute clinic on how to handle the press. That guy is the most... All the credit goes to everybody else. I don't care to talk about me. It's one game at a time. We're here to win. He's got his game face on, it seems like, at all times. He's a tremendous leader in that organization. So it's it's going to be very difficult to knock the Eagles out, especially if they lock up the number one seed in the playoffs.
0: Do they have a better – like, I feel like it's almost like a triangle. You've got your general manager, and then you've got your head coach, and then you've got your quarterback. Is there any organization that is as good – as Philadelphia is in those three areas right now. And, you know, you got Howie, what Howie's been able to do, both in the draft and both of the trades he's made. You've got Siriano, who thinks, say what you want about the guy, um, but the guy is a hell of a coach. Uh, and then you got Jalen Hurts. I mean, they're set up for the long term.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie, Siriano, Siriano is a guy that if you met him in an alley, you just want to punch him in the face. But, um, I love what he's done as a coach and and I love what I what, the only thing I would want to take I love his passion. I love how much he cares. I love that he's a players coach. I mean, guys will want to play and run through a brick wall for that guy. The only thing I don't like is the arrogance to the crowd, and the arrogance towards the other teams and, and those types of to me childish things as a head coach, you got to be better than that. That's going to come, he's young. That's going to come with experience and there's going to come a point where that's probably going to die down a little bit. But I'm certainly, if I'm Howie Roseman, I'm not trying to change that guy for shit. No.
0: But I, Howie know, Roseman I is, of has done an unbelievable job. If you're referring like, yeah. to what, what he did to the Kansas City crowd going underneath the tunnel. Oh, there's there's I, multiple I there's examples plenty, of it. I don't I, remember all I, of them. Did you see? You know what I liked? Talk about engaging with the crowd. Did you see the clip of uh Mike McDaniels talking to the crowd last oh, week? Oh, I right? did. Yeah. Like, Are you cold? Yeah, I'm cold. But I'm also winning. I mean, just...
1: Yeah, I guess it's the way
0: you say it because one guy is vilified for engaging with the crowd and the other is, you know, always talked about how uh, he's so likable and that's Michael Daniels. Well,
1: one guy's talking shit. The other guy's cracking jokes with the crowd. That's the difference, right? I hear you. Yeah. I don't have a
0: problem with it. I, I may not like him and some of the things that – I mean, look, has there ever been an opening press conference for a coach hiring that was worse than his? No.
1: Not that well, I can Maybe think of. Gannon's.
0: Maybe Gannon's this year for Arizona, but, well, that wasn't an open press conference. That was just a uh, him meeting in front of the team. But regardless uh, – That was a pretty bad
1: one too. That was, yeah, regardless. I remember, I remember that,
0: yeah. Uh, it's a good thing we didn't judge him. Right? We are certainly not judging him on that press conference any no, longer.
1: He's done a All right, hey, let's get service. on
0: to our third – oh, wait, we got a question. Let's we get do. to that one real quick. Um, We've got good old John here wants to know – Back on mixing, He's got Cooks or Mixon non-PPR. All right. Cooks or Mixon non-PPR. I don't know about you, but when you got to compare different positions, because most rankings that we look at, my personal rankings for week-to-week starters, I go down individual positions. So it's a little harder for me for some of the flex ones. But for me, when I look at this, um, my first concern is that Seattle has been really good against wide receivers this year uh they've got pretty good db so cooks who do you like i guess cooks or Mixon. i have concerns for both
1: yeah we'll get into the seattle matchups i've got the numbers on that but um on i, I would so Mixon's going to be your volume play but a non-ppr i like him better as an option in the passing game um than i do as a runner right now he's got to find the end zone to pay off or i think brandon cooks and what he's done over the last few last three games especially in Find the end zone, I think, in four of the last six. We'll get into that. Believe it or not, I actually would lean Brandon Cooks. I think he's going to give you, even though it's non-PPR, I think he's a guy who can get you five for, five for 60 yards. There's only six points, but I think he finds the end zone this week. So, mix in safer floor. I think Cooks actually has the higher ceiling this
0: week. All right, John, do with that what you will. Uh, let's move on to our Thursday night football game. We've got, and you can break all that down right now, We've got Seattle 6-5 at the Dallas Cowboys, 8-3. Who wins? I like Dallas. I like Dallas winning 35-21. Dallas minus 9, over and under is 46. Who do you like, Coach?
1: Yeah, i got Cowboys 31, Seattle 17. Uh, Dallas has won 13 straight regular season games at home. They're playing better than anybody right now, and people can talk about the strength of schedule. They don't make the schedule. You play who's on your schedule. So uh, I'm not going to take any away from Dak and, and the team because they're dominating those teams. They're not playing down to the level of those teams. And so uh, I've got Dallas obviously winning by 14. So they cover the spread at minus nine and the over under at 46. I've got the game at 48. So I've got the over as far as starts and sits goes for Seattle. Let's take a look at their offense. They are 18th in scoring on the year. Um, 26th in rushing yards, and 17th in passing yards, and I like to look at the last three games to see if those trends are comparable. They're almost the same team, so There's not really much of a difference there. The Dallas defense, on the other hand, though, is fourth in scoring points allowed on the season at 16.8, but only 12.8 over the last three, 13th in rushing yards allowed, and second against the pass. We've only given up 135.3 passing yards per game over the last three, so when I'm looking at Geno Smith, Dallas is seventh in fantasy points per game and second in passing yards allowed at quarterbacks. They've picked off quarterbacks 12 times this year. You know Derron Bland breaking the record. He's got five pick sixes this year. So I don't trust Geno Smith. He's he's out for me. He's QB 19, which is mid QB 2. I think there's better options out there this week. Only one game with over 250 yard, 55 yards passing in the last six games. Only 12 touchdown passes on the season versus eight interceptions. So I'm sitting Geno Smith. We can go into Dallas Cowboys pressures. In sacks and all of those things, they actually dominate up front. So running back room, Dallas is fourth in fantasy points per game, second passing yards allowed, or I'm sorry, seventh in rushing yards allowed, and tenth in receptions allowed running backs have only given up five touchdowns on the ground, only one through the air. Zach Charbonnet is more of a PPR guy. If It looks like KW3, Kenneth Walker, is out. We talked about him early, Charbonnet could be a decent flex in PPR formats. I expect a negative game script. He could be utilized in the passing game, but he's not a must start for me. Uh, Kenneth Walker's out. Obviously, DJ Dallas and Kennedy McIntosh. We're not touching those guys. Not wide right. receiver room. Dallas is third in fantasy points per game, third in receiving yards, and second in receiving yards allowed, only giving up seven touchdowns. They are locking down wide receivers on opposing teams. Um, DK Metcalf, in the last three games, has been targeted 30 times, but only three touchdowns on the season. So if I'm going to play a wide receiver in that game, it's DK Metcalf for me. Uh, Tyler Lockett, three games, only 22 <coughs> targets. 16 grabs, 170 yards, only two touchdowns on the season. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, he's wide receiver 41 this week. He's not hit 65 yards receiving um, in 12 games played. Only has one game with more than five grabs this year. So I'm out on on Jackson Smith and Jigba this week. Tight end room, we talk about it every week. Yeah, It's a three-headed monster. I'm not playing any of those guys. No. Combined, they've got 57 targets between the three of them on the year. So I'm out on anybody in the tight end room. On the other side of the ball with Dallas, uh, the first in scoring – 13th in rushing, fourth in passing. That's on the season. If you look at the last three games, they're scoring 42 a game and they're throwing for 335 a game. I don't expect that to continue necessarily this week, but they have outscored their opponents 193 to 85 over the last five games. Again, they're not playing the cream of the crop. I get it, but one of those games is Philly, and they did have 370 yards passing that game. Um, Seattle's defense 22nd in points allowed, 21st in rushing yards allowed, and 22nd in passing yards allowed. They're giving up a lot of yardage. I'm Starting Dak Prescott, we don't need to go through all the numbers. We've done it. We've beat it up. No, well, he's playing right now. He's a must start. He's a QB two this week. Tony Pollard, RB four, um, RB two over the last two games. He scored in two consecutive games. I think that continues this week. So I'm starting Tony Pollard. Wide receiver room, Seattle's 19th in fantasy points per game allowed, 16th in receiving yards allowed, and 20th in receptions allowed, and have given up 11 touchdowns to wide receivers. Um, so, I've got CeeDee Lamb, who's wide receiver one since week six. We can go through all the numbers there. He's a must start. Brandon Cooks, I talked about, depending on what your roster is, we talked about Cooks versus Mixon. I just think that Cincinnati offense is so bad. I don't trust Mixon this week. And I think Brandon Cooks, wide receiver seven over the last three games, he's averaging 6.3 uh, targets, five and a half receptions, and 95 yards receiving. And he scored in two of the last three. So, and four of the last six games he scored. This week makes five out of the last seven. I think he finds the end zone again. Gallup and Tolbert, we're not touching those guys. As far as the tight end room goes, Jake Ferguson's tight end 11 on the season. In PPR formats, I've got him as tight end eight going into this week. Last week, just four grabs on eight targets for 67 yards. That game got out of hand, right? They didn't have to pass the ball necessarily as much late. That Prescott did to not play in the fourth quarter, really. But he is tight in five in weeks eight through 10. at 16 and a half points per game. I think Jake Ferguson's a guy that I'm comfortable starting this week.
0: I like it. You could, you know, if it was any other game, I would have got three words from you. But you put a Dallas game on there for you to break down, and we get a whole dissertation. Good shit. Hey,
1: it's the same breakdown for every game. <laughs> this is how I do it, man. This is how we do.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to it. It's not often you see Dallas play on a Thursday. Uh, you you talk about Dak Prescott. What's Thanksgiving, off. right? Say that again? Yeah, Plus right. See, it, so yeah, it had to be a week after the last time. <laughs> They played on a Thursday, Right. Uh, but um, it'll be fun. It'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Dak Prescott last week after his Thursday game, everyone's going. He's the MVP because uh, he's played so well. I don't think that's going to be the case, but he's certainly played pretty damn good football this year.
1: Well, you're not going to get any complaints from me. I'm right there with you.
0: <laughs> we got some big games coming up. I'm looking forward to the next time. They face Philadelphia, but let's jump and get through these pretty quick. These are risers and fallers. These are guys that you know we're we're looking at the playoff stretch. We got two. Uh, usually, most teams are going into the playoffs and after these next two games. I know my home league is, you said your home <laughs> league was. So uh, in our league that we're in together is. So these are guys that if you have to stream somebody or, or whatever the case may be, if you got to pick somebody up, we like them down the road. My first one. I'm sure this surprised nobody, but Jordan Love, quarterback 10 on the year, five touchdowns, 590 yards over the last two weeks, and wins over the Lions and the Chargers. Doesn't have the greatest matchup going against Kansas City, but I, I really like his development. Um, I feel like he's someone, if you're quarterback 10, that's that's a guy that you can feel like you can comfortably play in one quarterback and certainly in Superflex League. So Jordan Love is my first. Riser, 19 touchdowns on the year, 2,500 yards, same stats. We talked about it earlier at this point of his career as one Aaron Rodgers. Who's your first Riser coach?
1: I like it. I like the Jordan Love call. You've been waiting for that one, haven't you? Your I had it or, early. Packer fan you are. Then
0: I, I then I pretend I didn't like him for a few weeks. But now I'm back, baby.
1: <laughs> We're back on the wagon. We I go. went uh I you went know, first game back, but I went Kyron Williams, um, RB 16 in total PP. He's RB16 in total PPR scoring, and he's missed four games, plus out of bye week. That's how good he's been when he's playing. He's RB2 in PPR points per game at 21.4 last week. After not playing for a month, carries the ball 16 times for 143 yards while catching six for 61. That's 10.2 yards per touch, 38.4 PPR points last week. So I'm all in on Kyron Williams, and you said it earlier at the beginning of the show. We are talking about the Rams what's going on there with Cooper Cup when we had one of our questions and that offense will continue to go through Kyron Williams as it should.
0: All right. We, have another guy that we talked about earlier and that's my second riser and that's Pat Fryermuth. uh, nine receptions for 120 yards last week, new offense went for over 400 yards. Um, you know, if, if Pickett's going to get right, the easiest way for him is to have a reliable guy in the middle of the field. And that's certainly Fryermuth. So really nice to see him, uh, you know, kind of develop like he has and or like he did last week and hope that continues throughout. Who's your second riser, Coach?
1: So I've got uh, – I'm going to switch my order. I'm going to save my third one for last. I think you're going to appreciate it. I went Trevor Lawrence uh, as my second. He's QB2 over the last two games, 28.9 fantasy points over those. The only person ahead of him is Josh Allen. Obviously, a lot of that's with his legs. In the last two games, uh, Lawrence has passed for 626 yards and three touchdowns, but he's also contributed three touchdowns on the ground, which I think is a big part. It tells us his knee is healthy. Um, we see him do a little bit more than just a straight line running he was doing with that knee. He's made a couple moves. He's got a little, he hasn't got he gotten jiggy with it. I'm not going to put him in the elite uh, Lamar Jackson-type style runner, but he's certainly been using his legs and using them well. So he's led the Jaguars six uh, wins in six of the last seven games, and they're only lost to the 49ers. They're playing good football right now why that's because of trevor lawrence
0: there you go you kind of like to see it as the number one draft pick a few years ago uh you know they are certainly looking better after kind of struggling there in the middle uh brandon Cooks is my last riser for the week 16 receptions 287 yards three touchdowns the last three weeks um you know as a cd lamb lover and a cd lamb manager love that he kind of didn't have anyone else for a few years in Dak prescott but it is good for the organization, good for Ceedee Lamb, and good for fantasy owners when Brandon Cooks is good, and he's certainly playing much better. I like him over the next four weeks stretch.
1: So let me get this straight: you got Brandon Cooks in your risers, but then you want to play Joe Mixon over over Brandon Cooks this week?
0: Well, because I I know what you said about the uh, the Seattle Seahawks, and as far as their stats against receivers, um, you know Joe Mixon volume right. Va- I mean, he yeah. we know what he's gonna be. It. We know yeah. that he's going to get opportunities. Brandon Cooks has to earn it a little more with a CD Lamb on his team. So that, that if you got to sit there and you got a flex issue, I think Brandon Cooks is a great play. I know Brandon Cooks in my home league last week played in a played for a team that we only have to start two with receivers. I wish we could start more than two because my wide receiver is pretty good. Recyber receiver receiver room is pretty good. But you can only start two. So this guy played him the last couple of weeks, and he's done really well. So yeah. I like Brandon Cooks, but it always comes down to who are you starting him over.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's why the start-sit questions are tough, right? You don't know who people yeah. have on their bench and who's available on the waiver wire. But, yeah, I like there the pit, go. man. You don't have to convince wow. me on taking the hey, I just did. There.
0: You made me. You're giving me shit. Yeah.
1: Now, now I'm thinking about changing my pick. No. Uh,
0: All right, hey, let's move on to yours, coach. My,
1: my last, last one is, it's time for Rashid Rice. Rush, let's get it. You've been pounding the table for him. We both liked him as a prospect coming out. Wide receiver three last week in PPR scoring with 24.7 points. You've been asking for the breakout game. You've been trying to call it every week for how many weeks in a row? We got Sex, it. Baby. That's right, baby. He's a season-high 10 targets last week, eight grabs, 107 yards, got in the end zone with a tutty, and he scored in four of the last six games. Let's keep it rolling. I love Rishi Rice right now. He's finally paying off for us. You've been pounding it. that table all year, man. I love it.
0: I love it. it. You know who I thought you were going to go with? I thought who? you were going to go with the Green Bay uh, route. Christian, Christian, Christian Watson? Watson. Um, I could have. Yeah, no, and he certainly is a riser right now. I could Who's have gone Zach Moss? Last week, Get Jonathan Taylor see? out. Yeah.
1: You know, there's, there's, there's a few guys. There was, a, I thought there was quite a few risers for me this week. The followers were a little bit tougher for me.
0: Followers are a little bit tougher. And some people are going to be surprised by my first faller, and that's Gus Edwards. Um, not that Gus Edwards with all his touchdowns this year, he's been awesome. But yeah. you look at the uptick in play for Keaton Mitchell and the fact that last week he had more carries, more opportunities, looks more and more like he's slowly taking over the backfield. So, uh, for that reason that reason alone i, I mean i'm a little concerned about ghost edwards going forward just strictly because of mitchell
1: i keep mitchell man he is fun to watch he is so i hear you i think you know
0: I, I i've told you this over and over again when it comes to the waiver wire man I, if there's anyone i sniff i'm doing whatever i can to get them and to me yeah. to miss on a couple guys this year it's really hurt one of them was Kyron williams the other is tank dell and now keaton mitchell but knowing that they were just out there and all it took was for me to open up the wallet and uh not get them those are definitely misses but you know it kind of happens so who's your uh first father coach
1: cooper cup you know we we talked about him right so i've got him as he was wide receiver five in weeks five and six which is first two games back but just 5.3 ppr points per game since week seven that's ppr points That's not Cooper Cup-ish, right? No. So in five games since week six, he has just 12 grabs on 30 targets. That's less than a 50% catch rate at 40% to be exact. 127 yards and zero tutties. This is a guy that had an 18-touchdown season. Um, Only three grabs on five targets for 18 yards last week with Matthew Stafford back. That's when you're like, okay, maybe the ankle deal is a little bit worse than what we thought. So I'm hoping now that this will be his third game since that ankle issue. Um, we start to see that second game with Matthew Stafford back. I'm hoping he gets in the mix this week, but I don't know how you can have Cooper Cup as a follower after what we've seen the last several weeks.
0: I feel the same way about Puka. And, and I yeah. don't well, know. Yeah. Yep. I, I don't because Puka, you would it would be different.
1: Which is crazy, not either one of those guys playing correct.
0: That, you know. Correct. I mean that's the issue. So that's why it makes me feel a little bit it's for Dynasty. I don't have any cup. Oh, I do in on some of my sleeper leagues, but in my home leagues. I don't have any cup. And at this point of his career, I don't think that I would ever acquire a cup at this point, but a yeah. Puka I do have. And my concern the last few weeks is, is this a Puka issue or is it the fact that the Rams haven't had a quarterback other than, you know, a couple guys that they tried to uh, bring off the street while he was out. Um, but then his first game back, neither one of them did much other than yeah. the hell of a highlight where you see a uh, Puka make that great route. And then, um, Okay, so here we go for Dan. Let's move down to Dan's question real quick. We'll stop. You guys at home, we'll see it now. He's going back to the cup. He could get Cooks or Rasheed Rice over cup going forward. Do we want – what are your thoughts there, Coach? I don't think I would take Cooks over him. If I'm taking a ceiling play, you know, if we get this – I'm playing Rasheed Rice this week over Garrett Wilson. You know, it's pretty close in my rankings. I'm doing it because it's tough to have a Garrett Wilson in the lineup every week and see the the quarterbacks they're putting out there. So I'm taking a ceiling play, which we, seems weird to say, and playing Rasheed Rice this week. Um, would you take Rasheed Rice the rest of the year over Cup? Because Dan is this is a redraft league, Coach.
1: Man, that's a tough part, right? You're talking about dropping Cooper Cup, putting him on the waiver wire for somebody else to grab him if he pops this week, and I I struggle with that because roster alignment's also not about what you're doing this week, but it's also about what are you doing to help other teams out. So I would be trying to find a trade partner before I would ever consider dropping him. But, yeah, if if you're in – so I've got a guy in the league that we're in right now who's in a, who's 6-6 six and six and his roster's loaded, but he seems to always play the highest-scoring teams every week, right? And he's getting so right. frustrated. He was texting with me today. Um, and he's kind of in that same situation with a player where he's like, hey, I could drop this guy. And I'm like, dude, you drop him. Someone's going to pick him up. You can't. So these guys are asking me advice, and I'm in the league with them, right? And then sometimes i got two guys asking me questions that are trying to trade with each other, and I've got to stay neutral. But it's a tough situation to be in. But if you're dropping um, Cooper Cup, if you're going to do it, then, yeah, Rishi Rice to me is the play because he he has definitely set himself as the wide receiver one. In that Kansas City offense, in an Andy Reid offense with a Patrick Mahomes, a quarterback, Kelsey's not playing the way he was early in the year. I think we're starting to finally see that slow decline with Kelsey. As much as I hate to say it, Rasheed Rice to me is the number one pass option. Now, I'm not saying he's over Kelsey. What I'm saying is he's the number one right. wide receiver option in that offense. Pass we had more targets last week. Yeah, he did. And, and, so and I would, easy. if I'm going to do it, it's going to be Rasheed Rice for me over Brandon Cooks, just like you. But I mean, I can't, I can't destroy. See, Cooper it's easy.
0: Now. It would be easier for me to say this if I'm not going to see Dan face-to-face during spring break because I wouldn't be surprised if Cup turns it all around and we're sitting here thinking, what the hell did you do that for in redraft? But at the same time, man, for me, it's almost like a a big play opportunity. Like I'm making a big move and I'm going for the win. I'm taking Rice.
1: If I have to win to get in this week, then it's a real consideration there because I'm trying to get in the playoffs. But if you've already secured a playoff spot or you're you feel good about where you're at with your roster, I'm not doing it just to, to have a higher ceiling play for one week. But again, it depends. And it, it's very
0: I would also like to know, Dan, maybe you can screenshot it and text me your lineup and I'll look at it. But yeah, uh, are there any other guys that we can cut that are not cut and just pick up Rasheed Rice and maybe there put Rasheed Rice in this week in a favorable matchup against my Green Bay Packers? Um, and just kind of see that what I'd be cut. okay with. So,
1: oh, he wouldn't yeah. start any of them. He said, so even if he picks up rice or cooks, he wouldn't start any of them. So at that point, total. I'm definitely, Oh, that's whole. right.
0: It's total roster, total roster. Cause he gets total roster points. So, it's oh, not gotcha. Easy. Okay. So that changes things. Yeah. Um, I would do rice. Fuck it.
1: Yeah. I I I got the same opinion. I'm not dropping Cup, I'm just giving him the waivers for somebody. But if you're trying to play and trying to get in the playoffs, you need a splash play this week. Then yeah, you can go Rasheed Rice. But I'm still going to say I take I keep Cup. But
0: all right, hey, let's move on. I don't even know where we left off. I think the last you've got minutes.
1: your second uh, faller, which at this point is Slim Pickens. But go ahead.
0: Yeah, second faller. I had George Pickens on here, which is kind of funny because we're talking about. Wait, so my joke
1: is any good now? Did you switch it up? I said Slim you know, Pickens, did I? I? said Slim Pickens. No, no,
0: that's it. That's it. I liked okay, it. Right. I, did, I did miss it. I'm not switching, but when you look at what he did last week, you know, it wasn't awful, and they are making changes. I think he had like three for 45 yards last week. I, I wish – you know, I've seen people make trades for him where they're giving up future first-rounders, and I, I just wish his route tree was a little bit better. And I – excuse me, I certainly wish – his quarterback play was better, so for that reason, you know, I, I still think George Pickens is a faller. scene where so many people had him ranked going into the season.
1: Yeah, this is where I wish. And of course, I was a wide receiver coach, played played it in college. I wish I, you could go to these practices and see because you talk about complete route trees. Well, sometimes that's based on the type of offense teams run. They don't give you options right. to run other routes, but. I would like to see what they're working on with him as a wide receiver and what they're trying to utilize. Because we all know, you were an o, I think you were an OC like I was too. There's certain plays you put in practice or you put in way before the season starts during spring ball. You throw it out there a few times in your your skelly periods or your seven-on-sevens, and, and you kind of see what it looks like. And you're like, ah, you know, trash play, I don't like it. I'm not going to use that. I'll keep it in the back of my playbook for maybe later in the year. And there's other ones you really, really like. Um, I would love to see what they're using – what that practices look like with George Pickens. Is he a guy that's learning to run more routes and are just not utilizing that? Is it where they've just said, Hey, look, he is who he is at this point. We're 12, 13 weeks in the season. We're, but you've got a new offensive coordinator. That's why I'm asking that because is that guy right. seeing something that Canada was not utilizing that because he has openly said, the Steelers have said they want to get George Pickens more involved. Well, let's see what, what that's that gonna look like.
0: Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. Who's your next caller coach?
1: So my next guy, I've got Amari Cooper, um, just 8.9 PPR points per game over the last three games. You've got DTR, you've got P.J. Walker, and now there's talk about maybe Joe Flacco starting. At least he can push the ball vertically. Um, Averaging just four grabs for 49 yards with no touchdowns over that time frame, which is the last three games. And, man, I just don't – DTR is in concussion protocol. He's only got 299 yards passing over the last two games, one touchdown, one interception, and I've got Flacco question mark. If Flacco becomes the guy, even though he hasn't played, I know he can push the ball vertically. I, I know he can pass the ball. He can throw it on time. He can throw it in rhythm. I like Amari Cooper a little bit better there, but man, it's just, it's tough with the way that offense is rolling right now. Just 12 points last week, and Amari was barely even visible, which is four for 49.
0: You know, it's so funny that we're a lot of, I mean, there's two fallers in a row where it's based off of, at least for Pickens and certainly for Cooper, it's based off the quarterback that's getting the ball. Yeah. Um, And, you know, if you listen to, shoot, I don't know which podcast it was this week, but I've listened to them all. You listen to one and anytime you talk about expanding the NFL and making it a 34 or 36 league team, just look at the bottom 10 to 12 quarterbacks and say to yourself, can we really afford to add more teams? Because the quarterback play in the NFL isn't very good. And that certainly has affected both Cooper and Pickens.
1: Yeah, it's crazy, right? Running running backs are not considered a dime a dozen. You can pick one up anywhere. You can pick them up late in draft and plug and play. Quarterbacks struggle to throw a stand, a fifteen yard out from the opposite hash, or struggle to throw, you know, a post route on time, or struggle to get to your second and third read in the progression. I mean, it just to handle like
0: pressure in your face, these yeah. guys all look good. There's 35 quarterbacks in the NFL that look incredibly good in shorts and t shirt. They can throw the football. Oh yeah. But oh, yeah. put them underneath the lights and that type of situation. Yeah, it's 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 certainly a quarterback league, and, and there's just not enough good enough ones to yeah. uh, make every player dynasty or fantasy relevant at times. All right, let's get to our last two fallers. Uh, we've talked about them a lot tonight. I promise these guys were already set. It wasn't based off the first question we got the, of the night. But my, fir- my last faller is Joe Mixon. You get into age, you get into his contract, and you get into his decline play. Um, Wanting Chase Brown player.
1: to get reps, yeah, which yeah, you touched it's, on earlier. It's yeah. just
0: the uh, If they were winning, you know, he'd be great for redraft, but for Dynasty and everything else, and especially since they're not playing well right now, uh, he's not someone that I would be looking to acquire. Who's your last faller, Coach? So
1: this is a tough one, man. Uh, Terry McLaurin. Yeah, I want yeah. wide receivers here. It's wide receiver forty-three over the last three games, eight and a half uh, fantasy points per game. Um, he's got just thirteen grabs for one hundred twenty-six yards and no touchdowns during those last three games. He's only got two who the hell is Sam season.
0: Howell throwing up all these passes to? You?
1: Well, here's my next point, right? Bingo. Sam, Sam Howell's leading the NFL in pass attempts for the Commanders' most talented wide receiver,
0: and their second so- one, the Hudson, hasn't been yes. great either.
1: He's averaging eight targets, five grabs, and 57.8 yards per game, 11.6 yards per reception. But they're throwing to Gibson when he's healthy. They're, they've gotten Brian Robinson Jr. We've seen him get a big hit. Yeah, up-tick he's got 78 passing,
0: yards at times, yeah. Which
1: is crazy. You've got Logan Thomas, who's now back. You've got – you're using – you know, Curtis Samuel's been used a little bit more in a couple of games sporadically. They, it's like this offense. Yeah, we can throw the ball over the yard, but we're teaching our quarterback – you're going to go through your progression. I don't care where Terry McLaurin's lined up. He's a second read in this play. He's a third read in this play. Instead of doing what the good teams do and saying, I'm going to find ways to get Terry McLaurin the football because he's very good and they're not doing it. And it, it's, it's amazing to me, but at some point wide receiver, 43 over three games, like I'm out.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so fun. I never thought I would say that the Washington commanders would have the number one passing offense in the NFL and Terry McLaren is a roster clogger. I mean, I can't play him. I can't nope. trade him. I can't do anything with him.
1: Yeah, nobody wants Nobody, nobody wants to trade for that guy now. You, no. You know, when he came out. He's an older guy coming out of college. I think he spent six right. years in college. He's, he's already he's
0: 28. Yeah. I just know he's going to die on my – not die. I, I hate how we yeah. use that term sometimes. But yeah. he's going to be on my roster until I have to cut him, which isn't going to be fun because – Former third-round pick out of Ohio State. Uh, great player. Just unfortunate that he played in a time where Washington hasn't been very good.
1: What you need is for Terry McLaurin to have two splash games. Because one splash game is not going to get anybody to want to trade for him. You give me two back-to-back, I might be able to, at that point, sell him in Dynasty for a second for a t- contending team that's been hurt by injuries, needs a wide receiver three or a flex guy they can put in. That's the Problem only chance is you in, got. I don't
0: know where, how you are. I don't know what redraft does. When does redraft typically have their trade deadlines?
1: Uh, I've got them. already had several in some of the leagues that I'm Correct. in. Week twelve, and week thirteen. So you the same thing. my
0: trade. My trade deadline was earlier Which I hate this trade week. deadlines. So not a fan I, I, of it. I hate it. it. Yeah. Well, I kind of too because especially going into today when I saw Trey McBride might not be okay to play this week, and I've got you know Kincaid on by and I'm like, what am I going to do? Fortunately, I was able to pick somebody up, but regardless, it limits your options. You you can't, you're in a playoff contention and you can't make a deal to make your team better when somebody goes out. It's kind of unfortunate. But I also, everyone's worried about collusion. In redraft, I get it more. I get limiting trades late in redraft. But in Dynasty, when the other opponent is going to have to put out a lineup in the next year, I find it hard to believe that they're going to you know, just throw a season or throw out a, a dynasty away simply to help somebody else. But whatever
1: dynasty. Yeah. It's I meant dynasty only you've, you've got to, there should never be a trade deadline in dynasty. Yeah. yeah. Ever.
0: Well, coach, there should never be an end of the show. Cause it's not often that I get to talk football for an hour and a half straight, but I appreciate you. We're going to be back on Sunday morning, seven three seven thirty. 30. Pacific time. That's 10 30 Eastern time with starting sits. Please come in with your starting sit questions. We'll break down every game. We'll have our thoughts on who wins the over the under can't wait coach. Appreciate you. Thank you so much.
1: Appreciate you too, man. Have a good night, everybody.
0: All right. Peace out.